and welcome everyone to Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, and you can call me Wolf, and I'm with Tony. You can call him Mushu. I'm with Anthony. You can just call, call me Anthony. You can just call him plain old Anthony, or you can call him what I call him, and that's, uh, you did what? You didn't do it? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's... That's how I call him. If you call me what Wolf calls me, you'd be saying a lot of cuss words. Oh my God! What? He's not very how nice. How dare a, you? He's a very mean man. He's a big oh, fat meanie. This head. seems like <laughs> slander. I think, I think it is. I'm gonna sue this guy. Or what does the one lady say? My nieces and nephews work for me for free on the show. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> we we do. Yeah, well, we that's beside the point. We work for him for free, and then he takes our food. That's why we're skinny, and he's not. I told you guys we should go where the beer flows like wine. Little place called Aspen. <laughs> uh, I don't know the French are buttholes. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, a little little uh, little reference there to. Uh, we should go where wings take dream. So, if if you if you have a problem with the show, just t- take write everything down that you don't like and put it in an envelope and mail it to the complaint department uh, in Nome, Alaska, and they will be glad to take care of you. Now it's up to you to find the address. Yeah, we're actually thinking about outsourcing our complaint department to India. So that you can get on the phone with them and they just aggravate you until you stop. Well, we heard you they just have such up. great customer service. They have very great customer service. That's They're what the they do, man. And, very and American. We're going to send you to Bangladesh or we're going to outsource it. It's going to be somewhere. Somewhere Timbuktu, where. Timbuktu. Who it's knows? Between yeah. India, Timbuktu. Pakistan, and Kathmandu. Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. You, you, you will end up there somewhere. So, folks, here's what we got going on. Enough joking here. Enough chuckle house here. Paranormal Roundtable has a multiple tier deal where you can get a PRT swag bag. $10, it takes two months, and then $20 automatic, and then $30, $40, $50. Each one gets you a better swag bag. That's for the Patreon. The links are right there. You'll see. Also, we'll put the link up, I guess, probably again for the conference if you want to check it out, but the conference that was held two or three weeks ago. And then... We also, uh, just, just remember this, the, the, the $40 chair gets you one of my autograph books, $50 chair gets you both, but we also throw in other books from other authors like Barton Nunley, Nick Redfern, David Weatherly, uh, Lyle Blackburn, Ken Gerhardt, Chad Lewis, those people, you'll get their books. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. We are coming out with the fall line as of this point right now, we're, we're going to start putting some prototypes out there. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you think that should be in the store. If there's something that you want to see in the Paranormal Roundtable store, we are working on, on, on I think it may already be completed by now, the hoodies that actually are zip up, where mm-hmm. they have like the patch on one side. You guys got them. And what do you guys think? They, they look nice. I mean, I yeah, like I the like coloring so far. Everything. I haven't been, I want to wash it first because it still has that smell. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So so then and then it has the logos on the back and they come mm-hmm. in different colors and so me and Anthony have been working on trying to get that done. The swag bags are a great deal and it's also a good way to support the show and we love to give away merchandise. We do a giveaway every week. If you leave a comment um, in the PR and the Paranormal Roundtable group, or no, is it Paranormal Roundtable group, right? Yeah, yeah group. It's group. Group. If you leave a, if you leave a comment on there and fa- on Facebook, you can win a prize, which is an autographed book from a different author. Now, that being said, I go if you want to be friends with me on Facebook, 
Okay. Just let me know that you are a listener. Also, I'm Josh Turner, 940 on Instagram. Tony, who are you? I'm PRT Mushu on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, I post some stuff about the show. So it's okay. pretty cool. So they, Find me they on can there. send you a friend request as long as they let yep. you know who they are. And uh, you can message me on either of those. You know, you can also send me stories on, on those platforms as well. I, I try my best to answer. And mm-hmm. uh, I've been getting better about it. And people hit up you, Nelly, Score, me, everybody. Mm-hmm. Pretty much we get messages and we get stories. And don't think that you're bothering me or bombarding me with stuff. I don't mind. Okay. Every, and, and now Josh Turner at PRTpodcast.com. That is the coordinates. And if you're still go, sending stories to the old email, I do check that one occasionally too. DosWolfman88 at gmail.com. I, I know some people still have that one. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, hey, it's for our first couple of shows. So, I mean. Well, it wasn't a couple. It was for, it was a, for lot. a lot. But, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's why it's because people still send it to that one. Because if they'll start watching the show, like I handed somebody a business card the other day. And we were shopping at, uh, I think we were at Sprouts. And I gave somebody a business card. And then they went and they started from the beginning. You know, so, they were do. like, I emailed you. And I went back in there. And I was like, oh, that's the old email. Let me go check it. Well. Both of them have a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of stuff in all of my emails. And so, yeah, and so that there, there's ways to get in touch with me. Hit me up on Facebook. That's an easy way. Uh, Instagram, that's another easy way. Just hit me up. I'm, I'm pretty reachable. I, I'm, I try to stay, you know, and I talk to my, my witnesses that give me stories and stuff pretty regularly. And I do my best to try to keep, you know, your names anonymous as much as possible, unless it's okay. Or you, if you want your name put out there too. But then that brings up a whole nother ball of wax. Like, you know, if somebody's pushing for their name to be yeah, on like there, why? you're kind of like, why? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of weird. But uh, it's up to you folks how you want to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm easy to deal with, you know, just, just hit me up. So that being said, let's get started. We have another uh, fun-filled night of talking about Dogman over here. <laughs> It just seems like this is the creature that everybody is talking about, and it's 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 so uh, creepy. <laughs> I just don't know what to call it. I mean, I don't know what to say. The first one I'm going to talk about is this one is going to grab your attention. Well, there's two that 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 really will grab that, that are going to grab you, but this is one that really grabbed me, and. This one happened right outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Now, this guy claims, and this is, like I said, he claims this. His name's Clyde, and he sent me a message, and he said, now I got to tell you a story. I know that you do these stories. My granddaughter and my daughter both listen to you. He's my daughter and my granddaughter both listen to you. And he said, I'd like to give you my story. And he he was encouraged to to send it with a little help from his granddaughter, thank goodness, because she's more tech savvy than he is. But uh, years ago, and, and, and I didn't get an exact date on when this happened, but uh, I, I, it was back in the late 70s as far as I could – it was what I was told. I don't know the exact date. He was working in his tool shed that was behind his house, and he heard something that sounded like a snarling, growling, whatever, and he thought it was one of his dogs. Now, he had two dogs. He said he had one. It was a very good, very kind, very outgoing lab. And then he said, I had a horrible hound that did nothing but sleep and bite people. I mean, those are his exact words. He goes, this dog was mean. It would bite people. He goes, it was, my dog was like a redneck. Okay. He goes, he would just, he just didn't like anybody. He was mean. He goes, my best friend would come over. And my friend, he said his friend, he had a friend that come over and uh, it bit his friend. And then it almost cost him a 27-year friendship. 
So this dog was pretty useless. Uh, my great uncle Bill, uh, God rest his soul, had a dog he named Dud, and its re- its real name was Zero. And he called it Dud, and it once bit my grandpa on the butt. So I can tell you about Guess dogs. It lived up to its name. It yeah. lived up to its name, but he, but you know, Destined he protected the. And it's funny because he had Desiree, who was a German Shepherd, highly trained, and she was cool with me, but she didn't like anybody else, and and so uh, she liked me and my cousin Trey, but she didn't like anybody else. And but the, but Dud was just you couldn't trust him. He was weird. He would growl. And you know the Turner Farm, you know, yeah. that was where the house used to be. And he, I'd get, you know, playing outside or whatever. And one day uh, I was in the back of the house and, and we were playing hide and seek, me and like six, seven of my cousins. And Zero came around the other side of the house. I didn't trust him. And he had me like right there by this uh, tree. And I didn't know what he was going to do. And there was like a hill right there. So I just started running down the hill to get away from him. And he chased me. And I didn't think I could make it up the tree fast enough. And Desiree, she was behind a dog run, like in a fenced and little closed in area. And then at night, they would let her roam around to protect the property. Mm-hmm. Well, she jumped onto her doghouse and jumped over that fence and chased after him and, and kind of hit him and made him roll. And then I run into my cousin Clayton. Y'all know Clayton. Yeah. Um, my cousin used to be a pitcher for the Texas A&M. And if you're a that uh, A&M baseball fan, whatever. He was a pitcher. And uh, so ended up like running into him and he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I was like, Uncle Bill's dog, you know, was chasing me. And so we went back up the hill and luckily Desiree had like just, he, they didn't really fight. She just kind of knocked him down. And then he went his way and she went hers. Um, but thank goodness, you know, that, that she was a very uh, protective dog. And she liked me, but she didn't like anybody else hardly at all. Like she was just, you know, me, Uncle Bill, and 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 Trey. Just did her job. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that that's a little sidelight story. I don't want to like take up too much time talking well, about it's it. It's crazy how there's always just like one bad dog. Like there's always just like one. You always have one amazing, just one like one of a kind dog, mm-hmm. uh, and just one horrible one that you wish like oh, I, I, I wish I could get rid of this. <laughs> yeah, it's but not, it's already grandfathered in. I yeah, can't do anything about it. We have it. one like that, but you know, and she's getting more cantankerous by the yeah, day. Yeah. But uh, maybe she's just getting old. But you know, the thing is. The reason I tell that story, though, folks, because you're going to see why, okay? It makes it follow suit with what I'm going to talk about. Now, he, he did say that he was in the backyard, and he looked down, and his hound was up on the porch asleep, not paying attention. Now, his other dog, the lab, he was right there growling at something in the woods. Now, he didn't have a back fence. There was no fence around this. And so he went around the, 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 to see what he was growling at, and we've heard this before. He sees this kind of blurry looking thing. And this was years before the predator movie, but he said, dude, I'll never forget. I, when, when I first saw the predator, my uh, gr- uh, grandson brought it over on VHS and we watched it. And he's like, and I'm sitting there watching this Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And he goes, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, dude. He goes, dude, my heart began to beat like, you know, really fast. He's like, I saw this the way it cloaked, you know? And uh, he told me about it. He said, did it really? He goes, dude, my hands started sweating. I felt like I was going to faint, you know, because what he saw, he said that day, what he saw, he goes, I'll never forget. He goes, the leaves came up away from the tree and moved independently. And he goes, and I was like, oh my gosh, what am I staring at? What am I looking at? What is this? And he said it was about seven to eight foot tall. 
And he said that it slowly came into focus and it became like a shimmering grayish looking just blob. And then it just morphed slowly into uh, what looked like a werewolf. And he says, and I'm staring at this gray, humongous headed creature. And it was so weird. He goes like, it just stepped out of like the void, which he realized that what it was where the trees and all that was that there was nothing there. It was like, it was imitating the foliage around it. And he's like, it tricked me. He goes, I know my own property, but he goes, it was like, I was believing in this illusion, you know? And he said that when it stepped forward, it actually spoke physically. Now this is what's also weird. It didn't go with the mind speak and all that. It was like, it said something to him, but it was garbled. He couldn't understand it. Now I'll do my best to try to repeat it, but it said something like Dargara, like or, uh, Debrara. And it was like, he just said it like, like a couple different times. And he just, he didn't understand what he was saying, but, when he said that Debrara thing, it kind of reminded me of Gadara, mm-hmm. which is what Linda Godfrey talked about in her book. And so I asked him if he was familiar with, you know, Linda Godfrey covering <clears throat> that particular case. And I'm not going to get into a whole big old thing. Go look it up. It's a whole, you know, but he said Debra- Debrara um, and th- this, that, this creature, you know, and this story I didn't get, this isn't, this isn't, uh, I haven't had it that long. It's not been that very long because I've had this story. Um, but he said that when I told him that, I said that there was a, a, a security guard that had actually encountered a creature that spoke to it like that. And it said that, and I said, are you, cause when he said that, I said, are you sure it didn't say Ghidorah? And he says, no, 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 no. It started with a D, the Brara. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I don't know, maybe these things have some kind of language or something that we. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're not aware of, or maybe that and then oh, it sure involves, it sounds like yeah. that. Well, most of the time, though, you get it like with, with mind speak. It's not like it's talking to you. This thing moved its mouth, kind of like Hidalgo, the Hidalgo dog story where they were speaking Spanish, you know, and that, of course, is, is a very uh, a strange case, too, um, and from my hometown. And I was actually in my hometown earlier today, and I was talking to someone, and, and, and it, that kind of was brought up about the books, and, and this particular uh, cousin of mine asked me, about the books, you know? And so I was like, oh, okay. And that whole case kind of came up, you know? What's interesting though, to me is as soon as it did, this dog, the dog, he said it was like the dog was in suspended animation. He's like, his dog was like one paw up off the ground and wasn't moving. And then this thing kind of backed up into the trees. It didn't cloak again or anything, but it just kind of backed up and then, it just walked backwards, and then it was just kind of like it was gone. Like he saw this weird kind of blur, and then he ran into the house. Uh, he he had to literally grab the dog by its collar and get it to move, and then the dog began to move. But he said that the the dog was kind of in a zombified state, 
And the whole time, his useless hound dog sits up on the porch asleep, doesn't care about Debara, doesn't care about the other dog, <laughs> doesn't care about the cloaking or the foliage. He's just like, I'm asleep. Debara, Debra, I'm tired. Yeah. I don't give a crap. I don't care. It well, was like sleep. Maybe werewolf will take the dog off his hands, useless thing. <laughs> so he goes up the, up the steps, and he had one of those screened-in uh, back porches, right? Um, but there was like this little overlap where the dog liked to lay because um, the dog liked to go, you know, he'd, he'd be able to be free and run around, whatever. He said, as soon as he gets up to the steps, the, the useless dog gets up and just follows them inside the house or whatever. And he said that it was so frustrating, you know, that like he tried to talk to his, we had a, at that time a girlfriend. She came over and she just thought he was crazy and looked at him like he was out of his freaking mind and went so far as to even act like he was lying about it. She's like, are you being honest with me, Clyde? Is this real? You know? And he's like, why would I make something like that up? He goes, I saw a werewolf. And so years go by and, uh, he had some chickens back there and eventually they got something, you know, they got messed with and, and, they, and something was picking them off. He was certain that it was this creature, but he couldn't catch it. He said, I sat up in my back porch for, for weeks, you know, with my shotgun, just waiting for this thing to come back. He goes, I had a 308 and I had a shotgun and I was ready to just blow it to hell where, you know, where it came from. Never saw it. Um, and, and then he would go inside the next day. Some of his chickens would be missing. And so, you know, the, 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 the time goes by and the lab eventually went missing. And he was convinced that this thing had done something to it. He goes, that, that rotten hound, it sat out there on the back porch. And by this time, it was already like, you know, 12 years old or something. Pretty cool story, though, in one respect. And I'll tell you why. He was working in his, it was, he had like a carport, you know, that he had built himself. Like he had this little plot of land. And this thing came up to the, to the side of the carport. And he was in there doing something, messing with it and, and in his carport with his brother. They were messing with a car. And uh, his brother goes around the side. They hear a boom, 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 something bump. And that's, I shouldn't have told that part first. That's why they knew what it was. I kind of gave it away. But he goes around the side and he sees this creature. And he, he yells. He's like, Clyde, Clyde, there's something around the side of the house. You might want to come look. And his brother runs back in there. And they had a big old python, like big old gun. You know, If you don't know what a python is, look it up. It's 357. He goes and grabs it. He goes around the side of the house. He's getting ready to shoot this thing. And when he he comes around the side, he sees it. He's like, oh, it's that creature, you know? And he said it had been, you know, several years. He had not seen this thing, but he knew that it was around. Mm -hmm. And so he said that his brother goes and takes a shot at it. And he said immediately it, it, it squats down and then moves on all fours real fast. And then it starts to blend in with the grass. And he said that his brother was in shock. He said, oh, my gosh. It's like, you know, you could see there's like this mirror coming off of it. And it runs off into the into the woods. Well, the next day, he's in that carport, and he's like real apprehensive, and he's covering the car, and he's like, I'm just going to put this project on hold for a little while. Um, I don't trust what's going on here. And as he's walking out, this he sees <laughs> in the corner of the carport, he sees that something isn't correct. Like he sees the edge of the carport. It's not lining up. And he's like, oh no! And he looks around, and he's he's got his gun, but it's on. You know, he remembers that he left it on the car seat, and he's like, dude, my brain was so frazzled. I was like, you know, so you know, he's like, so I picked up a wrench, and my hands were shaking. And he goes, and the the, the cover wasn't completely on the car yet. 
And he's like, and I'll go to reach the, for the door and I see it move, you know, and I said, oh no. And I asked him, I said, did you, did you hear any sound or smell anything? He goes, I always, it always smelled like dog pee and blood. That's what he said. But he said that he didn't hear anything until it stepped forward and then heard like the crunch of the footstep. It wasn't like the predator where you hear that clicking, that, you know, whatever noise. Wasn't nothing like that. And I asked, and I've asked multiple witnesses that, but this, you know, it comes out and it's standing there and he goes, and then it just comes into focus. And he's like, it is this werewolf looking creature again. And he's like, and I'm standing there and I'm holding a wrench and I'm like, what am I going to do? And he says, and then it comes around the other side of the car. As I started to move, it tried to mirror my movements. And as fate would have it, he looks over right on there on his workbench. He has a hatchet. So he throws the wrench at it and nails it. Just it throws its arm up and it hits the, its arm. And he goes, dude, I, I threw it so hard that it had to have heard it. And I heard it kind of make a noise like, you know, He's like, and then I go, I grabbed the hatchet and this thing came at me and it was like one second and it was like five or six feet. It was just like right on me. And he goes, and I just took the hatchet and I just plunged it right into its chest. And he goes, and just then I see this flash behind this creature and it's my dog. It's that useless dog who was missing teeth at this point and this dog had latched onto its like like back of its leg and then was up biting like the buttocks area and the thing was being distracted by it and it's it's got this hatchet plunged into its chest and it was flesh and blood, this creature. Um and he but you know, it was at least it was materializing as flesh and blood. And it turned and it smacked him like with a hand and he, it cut him. He goes, It gave me a big cut across my chest, knocked me backwards several feet, and then he goes, But I was determined. He goes, I look over and there's this rock. And he's like, I'll never forget. It was like a blue rock with little googly eyes on it that, that my one of my grandchildren had made me when they were in kindergarten. And he said, Papa, this is a pet rock. And he's like, he grabs it and he runs up and he goes, and he goes, as incredible as it sounds, he goes, this is the absolute truth. I nailed this thing right in the side of the upside the head. And and it sounded like a coconut splitting, you know. That's a good pet rock. And, and, <laughs> and so he turns and he goes, and by this point it had picked up my dog and was choking the life out of it. And it had a thumb, like its thumbnail, like into its throat. And so he's like, you know, he knew that the hound was done for. Uh, He managed to get, that thing had slung the axe down onto the ground. He goes, I picked it up and I was, I just, I swung. And and when I, when I did, it it threw its arm at me again. And while it was busy trying to, to, to kill his dog, it turned. And when it did, he's a dude, I sliced its arm open so wide the crazy thing was that hardly any blood was coming out of this thing. That's what's weird. Like there was not a lot of blood. He goes, dude, the thing should have been bleeding like crazy, but it wasn't. There was blood, but it was like, and the, and the, and the hide is really hard. You're like, he's like, it was like, you know, Naga hide. But he goes, I, when I cut through it, I cut it. I could see the bone and everything on this creature. And it screamed. And then it just like dropped the dog and then took off, jumped over the dog and was out the the garage and was gone. He's like, and then it just did that cloaking thing it did and was gone. He said, I'm no worse for the wear. You know I mean? I, because to this day I haven't, and I had to ask, I said, Clyde, I mean, you haven't like had the urge to go and like pee on a tree while on all fours or mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not scratching for fleas. You're not, you know, like, you're not, fire yeah, you're not like waking up at the zoo. Are you like something's <laughs> happening, you know? And like you're in the, the wolf cages or with the wolf, you know, whatever. He said, no, fortunately not. I'm not. I haven't had any, you know, I'm not a werewolf. 
That's um, exactly what a werewolf would say. It's, uh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I, I know where you're at, Clyde. He's, he's since he's moved uh, to, to one state over. But uh, he told me, he's like, dude, he goes, it's the craziest thing ever. He goes, I don't, I don't, you know, recommend it, you know, fighting with a werewolf. You know? But uh, he claims to have like fought this thing and he's not interested in being famous or telling anybody whatever. And from what he has been told by his granddaughter, which is probably correct. She listens to the show and shout out to you for sending me this story. I appreciate it. And, and, but the thing is he knows now he knows enough to know that maybe he shouldn't reveal himself because these things are, or can be considered like assets. And I'm not going to get into what that is, but yeah. And so I told him, I said, maybe you're, you know, you're on the right course just to keep it, you know, and I'll tell the story and we'll keep it anonymous. But I mean, what do you guys think about that? Like, I mean, if it's to be believed, then I'm not, I'm not questioning the guy. I mean, he sounded very, very believable. And But, I mean, if it's a true story, what was it? I mean, what was, what was going on there? And he never saw it again. So maybe giving it a good, you know, a licking between him and his dog. And, 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 and the story ends on a happy note. The dog lived, but oh, it did oh, wow. it did destroy its vocal cords. But he said the dog never barked anyway, no. so it didn't matter. But the dog lived another two years, oh, and then wow. the dog died of old age. But, I mean, it, it it helped him. I mean, I mean, a broken clock is only broken in or uh, is right two, <laughs> two hours of the day Fools or can't fool me again. Yeah. The broken clock is speaking right now, actually. <laughs> or he just spoke. Oh. Broken clock you is right I'm, twice a day. Yeah, you, you understand what I'm saying. I mean, th- thankfully, the dog is useless most of the time, but it was useful when it needed to be. Yeah. And what I find interesting is, like, I wonder if that blur kind of, like, haze that he kind of first noticed on this thing I wonder if that's less of them doing something and, and more of like us doing something like maybe if it's like uh, us opening like our mind's eye or whatever. So we're able to see it clearly or if it like as soon as we we see it, we trigger something that allows us to be able to kind of discern what it is exactly better. So uh, because I, when you hear that kind of story, it makes you wonder like, oh, is it able to like blur itself like, you know. Uh, is able to like use CGI on itself and make it look weird or is it you know doing something mystical or magical but I, it might just be that it might be something that we're doing that we're not able to understand yet either is real or is Desinix <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Anthony I mean I think the fact that this thing was it attempted to attack it was counterattacked, and then it ran away and it never came back. These things are territorial. If they're like, if they're in the wild and they claim a certain area that they're not going to stop that, like they're, they're not going to stop coming, coming back at you. In my opinion, if they feel like you're, you are a threat to them, then they will probably continue to try and harass, yeah, harass you until they eventually eliminate you. And, yeah. But the fact that it didn't, Makes me think that maybe this particular creature was actually, like you said, an asset. Now, an asset to who or what? It might not even be an asset to 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 something that was human. I don't know, but I I think that maybe this thing was was either was either released in that area, or maybe it wasn't supposed to be in that area, and wherever it ran off to, it never came back from because it maybe it was retrieved. 
what I find interesting, and I may be wrong in this, but <clears throat> it seems to be that these single, like these single dogmen out are, are very like feral or maybe seem to be a little bit more unruly. Maybe it, it seems like these encounters seem to be a lot more aggressive. I mean, you'd hear a lot of these like huge pack aggressive uh, uh, encounters as well, but mm -hmm. these single ones seem to be like they don't have to play by the rules as much compared to like some of these pack ones. I feel like they have a code or something that they go by to where it's like, you know, don't be doing, don't be seen doing this or don't do this or this. Well, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And like these, these lone ones out there, these rogue or, ones. Yeah. Or whatever they are, they just seem to be like, well, no one's watching me, so I can I can go all in. I can just do whatever I want here. So yeah, I mean that's true. Just like people that that live alone, mm -hmm. they just do what they yeah want. they go feral. Yeah, yeah, and it might be something like that. Or well, this, that's why it also left because it like it wasn't really in that territory. It didn't control that territory. It was just in it. So it might be like okay, he won. I don't really want to fight. I can just go somewhere else. So this next story we're going to get into, that's very interesting points you guys made, and I got to get moving to the next story, but uh, yeah, it's food for thought. So this one came to me from a guy, and th this guy, he's, very, he's a really interesting guy, actually. He's lived a colorful life. He was in the military. He got out, and he, he you know, did, did he wanted to be, I guess, off the grid, and so he became homeless. Um, and he was homeless in the 90s, and it was a time when... This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You know, there wasn't, was a, lot, the 90s, yeah, it wasn't yeah. a lot of homeless people around. There always were homeless people like in the 90s too. But in the mid, mid, early to mid 90s, I don't remember like being a lot of homeless people um, when I was here. And so I just, I, I, it's, it's crazy though. This guy, so what he did, I guess he would be considered like a prowler. Um, but he was like, I never did anything to somebody. I never broke any houses, but I would, I would illegally camp on people's property. And he said, and, I, and his name's Franklin. He's actually a really nice guy. <clears throat> He's kind of a, a soft-spoken guy. And he was recommended to me by someone. They said, this guy's got a, a terrifying tale to tell. And I said, okay. And so, and I actually, it was a, somebody that I met at the food trucks. And they said, hey, <clears throat> and I was there one day get with one of you, I think with one of y'all, and I was like talking to somebody over at the, uh, you know, the burger place. It's actually pretty good. No, yeah, it's really good. Uh, I forgot the name of it. But anyway, they 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 make these. Oh, Mighty Moe's. Mighty Moe's, yeah. So I was in there, and I don't eat it much because I can't, but you guys do. But I was in there picking up something, and Nelly wanted something, so I had to make a late, late night run. I think you were with me, Anthony, but you were talking to Brian. Yeah, yeah. And so I was over there, and, I, and this guy was in there, and I'd given him my card, and he says, you know, he saw the little werewolf on the card. Um, he's a heavy set black guy. I, th I think you've seen him in there before. And he says, I know a guy that's got a story about a werewolf or werewolves. <clears throat> so he introduced me or he sent me his information. And so I reached out to the guy and it was weird. Like I just got a call out of the blue and I'm like, who's this? And, and he goes, he goes, well, who's this? I was told to call this number. 
And so we can't wait. And so then, then I was like, well, you called me, dude. You know, he's like, well, my name's Franklin. I was like, well, I'm Josh Trent. He goes, okay, bingo. You're the guy I need to talk to. He's like, I got a story. He goes, and I've been holding it for years. He said, literally, I've been holding it for almost 30 years. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, well, go ahead, speak. You know, so he starts telling me this crazy story. And he said, dude, I've seen some really wild things. And he's got a couple other weird things that have happened to him. Um, but that's not for that. This, this show, right? This one particular episode is I will, I will talk about those on the live stream. This story is his dog man encounter and it's not really connected to the other stuff. Although I think it is all connected. And I think the reason that he was, you know, able to do and see the things he saw was after he had this encounter. I, I still believe that, that that happens, but we'll talk about that on the live stream. What happened to Franklin, he was on a hi- on highway, and I think you looked it up, Tony, or, or Anthony, what is it? Oh, Leander and- Yeah, that's Highway 29, highway 29 between Leander and Georgetown. And Georgetown. Now, folks, if, you, if, you're, if you're a listener and you're a veteran of the show, you're a veteran of listening to the show, then you, then you know that I had an encounter with a naked man who was running- uh, years ago when I was working, they were opening at home over there in Leander, I guess. Would it be Leander Cedar Park? That's Leander, Leander yeah. right? I mean, you so, think they're right next to each other. It's hard to yeah. And we were doing a, 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 a site that was a retirement home and Scorpio was working over there. And so you guys, had y'all had to stay there. You did, Anthony. Yeah. And actually your stepdad was working with us. And they they had to stay there and guard because we needed like five guards or something because some guy had threatened to shoot up the place or something because he was mad. One of the electricians was crazy. Yeah. So I, I said, I have to leave. And I told Clark and everybody, I said, I have to go and drop food off to, to Scorpio. He's over there in Georgetown. So I took Highway 29. Um, and that going going down that, that, that road uh, in the middle of nowhere, you know, and this was probably what, 2010 or 11? No, maybe 12. No, no, this was later than that. I, I'd, I'd say think, 2012. It couldn't have been later or later than that. I thought it was like 13, 14. Uh, you know what? It might have been 13. Yeah, it might have been because it was it was the year after I got sick. I remember I was in the hospital. Yeah. So it had to have been 2013. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right. 2013. Anyway, one thing that was cool was there. there's a... We worked with a guy whose dad, whose who, whose son played for the Rams NFL. So I like to, to. I remember working at that account, but a lot of weird stuff happened there, and there was some weird kind of paranormal, spooky stuff that went on. Which it was like that place they had a hard time opening it, if I remember correctly. And so I was driving, and I see this like, just it was a Caucasian guy, and he was just running, and I just see him jump over the fence, and then just keep like re ran. And just crossed the road and jumped back over the other fence and was gone into the pasture. And I was like, what the heck? You know, I mean, like, I couldn't believe it. You remember when I came back and I said there was a yeah. a naked guy and just ran. And it was, I mean, he, he didn't run right in front of my vehicle. Like, he was a good, like, you know, 60, 70 yards ahead of me. I could see him in, a, in the distance. But I thought it was just bizarre and weird well that was either one of austin local one of austin's local cryptids or <laughs> a guy who just happened to transform and just came back well l- let me tell you what franklin kind of made me made me wonder because when he started telling me his encounter now he was wandering around out there off of 29 this is back before the toll road back before any of that and he had been camping out on a property where the people that owned the property, they weren't 
I guess they weren't really aware that he was there and he was camping. He was he would he would move around from place to place, and he would just when he would go into town, he would stop and get supplies and water and stuff, and then go back out and he would camp out in the brush. Now, like I said, he had other encounters. One of them was a Bigfoot encounter, but that's not what this this episode's about. And that was uh, somewhere south of Austin. But he was all over the outskirts of Austin, all over these neighboring towns, whatever. He would camp. And he was, he was a solo person. He hung out by himself. What he told me was so disturbing and crazy. He said, I was walking out there one day, and I see these four large wolf-like creatures. And he goes, now I'd seen one before um, when I was on the other side near Driftwood. I've talked about Driftwood before on the show. And uh, he said, I saw one running around and I thought, man, that thing is huge. It's large. He goes, so I climbed up a tree and I just observed it. And eventually it's kind of sniffed the air and it just kind of ran off into the brush and I didn't deal with it again. And then so the next uh, morning I just got, you know, whatever. Well, he said this time he saw four of them and he's like, I hadn't, it was like two years from the first time I'd seen one. And I thought, oh, it's these giant wolf-like creatures again. He said he says wolf-like because they had these ridges on their backs and they didn't look like coyotes. He goes, they were definitely not coyotes. And he said, and they were chasing something. And he goes, and I realized they were chasing a cow. And then he goes, they were getting after this cow, and they they had they had kind of isolated it, and the other cows had all just you could hear them mooing, and they were all just running in different directions, and they had cut one out of this herd. And he goes, and I was, you know, a good hundred yards away from this, that this the the cow, the the herd, and maybe about fifty yards, you know, not far, you know, because maybe fifty yards from where they were chasing that cow, and they, and they started coming toward me. He goes, and then he goes. One of them stops and kind of stands up on its hind legs, and then becomes fully erect. And he said, and it was about seven, eight foot tall. And he goes, oh my gosh, what am I looking at, dude? He goes, I had never seen anything like this before in my life. He said, I was staring at a real life werewolf. He goes, and there were three more with it. And that one didn't even look like the biggest one. He said, there was a big one that was black. And he goes, and I could see by the light of the moon that it was, it, 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 they had caught the cow and had knocked it down and they were tearing it up. You know, they were, they were eating it, you know, they were basically eating it alive. It was, it was horrific. And he goes, and I'm sitting there watching this. He goes, and that other one's just kind of staring at, at me. He goes, then it gets down and kind of goes over to the other ones. And then they all just kind of turned and looked in his direction. He goes, but the grass was tall. He goes, so I got down on my belly. He goes, and I literally just began to crawl. And I looked around and I saw a tree, an oak tree. And I just began to crawl towards it. He goes, because these other cedar brush trees, you can't do nothing. There's nothing, you know. So he goes, I, I, I crawled toward the oak tree. And he says, I must have been maybe, you know, like uh, in between Leander and, and Georgetown, you know, like too far out in the middle of nowhere. There's even like middle of nowhere pasture there now. <clears throat> Imagine back then, you know, when Georgetown yeah. wasn't a huge city and Leander was a dot on the road, you know, on the map. There was nothing out there, nobody out there. He's like, I could have screamed my head off and nobody would have known. He goes, and the people who owned those cows, pff, they they had no clue that this was going on, you know. And so he goes, I run over there to that tree and I climb up it. And he goes, and then I look back and they were busy doing what they were doing. And he goes, and I watched them literally devour this animal in like minutes, dude. They were, And then you could hear them crunching the bones. And it was like, you could hear them popping and crunching from where I was at. 
He said, and then once it was over, he goes, I'm thinking, oh my gosh. He goes, I look at my watch. It's 4.48 a.m. He goes, sunrise, ain't for a couple more hours, dude. He goes, and I am like stuck like Chuck up in a tree. And he goes, and he goes, and I'm, I'm, a, you know, as I'm wearing black, he's like, and I'm African American, you know, he goes, I'm a black man, you know, and I'm up in this tree and these things are like devouring this animal. And he's like, and I'm thinking that's not going to be enough to feed them. So they're either going to go and call another one from the herd or they're going to come after me, you know? And he said, dude, I thought that that night I thought I was going to die. He goes, I spent that whole night praying, man. He goes, I'm not going to lie to you. He's like, I just prayed. He goes, and I just, I had a cross. Uh, a necklace that was given to me by my great aunt years ago. As I pulled it out of my pocket, I just held on to it. And uh, when his grandmother had died, she'd had it blessed. And so she was uh, converted to Orthodox Christian. And uh, he said his, his grandmother was uh, half white, uh, half black. And he said that his grandmother's uh, father, who was uh, white, who was Orthodox, um, and the mother was was black. She was Southern Baptist. Uh, she had chosen to be Orthodox, but then subsequently everybody else was became Baptist. You know, in his family. But he said that she really believed in in the supernatural big time, and her dad was of Eastern European descent. But uh, he said, you know, he goes, yeah, I know by looking at me, you wouldn't know that my grandmother was actually really light skinned, uh, half white woman. But she had this cross and she gave it to me or gave it to my great aunt before she died, her younger sister, and was told that when she, when her time comes to give it to him, so on her deathbed, gave it to him. And she had survived a fatal accident, literally. And he thinks that that cross, he, be, he believes, and that's his, that's his belief, and it was silver, but he believes that, that that would, that's what saved him or saved her. So he was holding it, holding it, holding it. And he said that. Sure enough, these things get done doing what they're doing, and they start kind of sniffing the air, and he could see that they could, they're all red from doing what they were doing. He said, and they got down on all fours, and they all just kind of started trotting over toward me. And he's like, and I'm, and he goes, I'm way up in this tree, like this is a big oak tree. And he said, now I did have a weapon. I had a spear that I had made. He goes, and it was like a stick that that was had a point on it. And he said, I once fended off a coyote, which he thought was rabid, uh, with this stick. So, But what he did was he got a piece of metal from a friend of his who had a, 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 a knife sharpening place in Austin. I think I know who he's talking about because um, it used to be – I think it used to be on Burnett Road. But that, that person sharpened a, a triangular piece of metal and he managed to fasten it to that to that stick. You know, So he had like this half of a stick that was like a spear, you know. Um, so he said he took it and he was just holding it. He was just like waiting, you know, and he's like, okay, I guess I'm just going to, it's me and this stick against these four monsters, you know? And eventually they come up to the tree to where he's at. And, and, and he told me, he goes, and he goes, are you following what I'm saying? He asked me that multiple times. And I said, Frank, I'm, I'm, I'm following you. I'm following you. He goes, okay. Cause I was quiet. I wasn't speaking. So I guess he thought I wasn't paying attention. And I, and I said, no, 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 I'm listening. I'm just, it's just a, it's, you know, he goes, he goes, what I'm telling you is the absolute truth. He goes, I'm not going to lie. He goes, there's two things that I held dear to me that I never traded or sold or thought about getting rid of. And one was the Holy Bible and the other one was that silver uh, cross. He goes, and I kept that. And it had, the chain wasn't silver. The chain had broken um, when he got attacked by some other uh, homeless people. But he managed to keep the cross. He said, well, they were beating me. He goes, I put my hand on that cross 
And then they got tired and they left. They just got tired of them and they robbed him, you know. But he said, that cross was with me everywhere I went. And so he said, I have my backpack. And he goes, and when they came up to me, they started sniffing. And then one of them jumped up and just put its claws up on, and it just dug into the tree. And then he goes, I could see the feet, right? And he said, and it began to climb up the tree just like a, like a, like an ape. And he goes, and I looked down and, he, and I said, let me guess. And I said, Frank, I'm going to ask you a question. What did the claws on the feet look like? And he described to me, he described to me exactly what I saw when I was 15. I said, yep. That raptor looking clawed toes they have, whatever, there was that kind of one of them. They don't all, they don't all have that same description, but that one did. And he said it was big and he said the head was huge. And he said, I'm going to tell you, I, I just, he goes, I mustered up every courage I had in me. He's like, I'm not a huge man. I'm six foot one. He goes, but I weighed about 200 pounds. And so I'm not huge, but I'm not small. And he's like, and I was, I was pretty uh, young guy and I was limber, you know, he goes, and I just, I just said in the name of Christ, and I literally plunged that thing through its like skull, like just, it just, and he goes, and he goes, and I'm thinking there's going to be this, you know, I'm going to hit it and it's going to, you know, kill it, whatever. He said, all it did was slide over the top of its head. And then the thing kind of threw its hand. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And when it did, he pulled back and he goes, and to this day, he goes, I don't know how I did this. He goes, I don't know how the, the, it had to be God or something. He's like, I, I, I pushed at it again and it caught it right in the sh- in the chest, like a, uh, in the clavicle area. And he goes, I could feel it like pop and crunch something. He goes, and this thing kind of made a noise. And I'm going to try to repeat the way he made the noise, but it was like, like that. And he said, when it did, it, it sounded demonic, dude. He goes, it's like something you could never imagine what it sounded like. And he said, and then it just like, it started yanking on it. And then he goes, I look over and there's two more and they're climbing up the other side. And he goes, and I thought, oh man, this is it. I'm done. I am completely done. And then he said, just then, like he asked God, he said, just forgive me for my sins. He goes, before I could even finish, he goes, I felt something grab me by my backpack. Now get this. And to this day, he says, he believes this is divine intervention, dude. He sees a bright flash of light. And then they all kind of stop and they look. And he's like, I don't know what that was, but it got their attention. And they all just kind of like stopped. He goes, and then I see one of them just go flying up in the air. And I'm like, what the heck is that? It was the only one that was still like down there kind of watching. And he thinks that was the one that first noticed him. And he looks and he sees this humongous bull. And and I guess it was just, you know, and he said, and then I look and there's another one and it's running around the other side. And the other creature that was going behind him was grabbing him from behind on his backpack. He goes, it was like its legs were dangling down and that bull, I guess, had hooked its leg and like yanked him and was dragging him by its horn. And he's like, so I see these two bulls that, that are just hell bent on killing these things. And he's like, I'm thinking this has to be the work of God. And, and he asked me, 
He asked me, he's like, do you believe that, that? I said, absolutely, Frank, I believe in a higher power. I do believe in Christ and I believe in God. And he said, do you think that's what was happening? And I said, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. You were there. I wasn't. But he told me, he says, I believe that God saved me that day. He's like, that flash of light was unnatural, you know? And he goes, I don't know what it was, but it got their attention and it distracted them from those bulls. He goes, and those bulls, I think, were with that herd. He didn't think that they were supernatural, but he thinks that they may have been being commanded by something angelic and or given some sort of authority to attack these creatures. And so the one, the other one, he goes, that was holding on to the spear in its chest. He said its eyes narrowed like a man's and he just, it looked at him and it just kind of made like a, like a huff. And then it jumped down and it just pulled that thing out of its chest and threw it. And then when one of the bulls, it was the biggest creature. And he said that when one of the bulls went by it, it just like swiped at it and the bull kind of turned its head and then kind of flipped him over the top of it. And he said that when this was going, all this chaos was going on, he said, I got really, really sleepy, which is like just totally ridiculous. He goes, because my body was, had been coursing with adrenaline. And, uh, and when I actually said that, not him, but I said, your body had to be full of adrenaline. He said, yeah, it was, it was full of adrenaline. And he goes, and I was just like, you know, he goes, I was, you know, thinking I'm a dead man, you know, I'm, I'm doomed. You know, and he's like, but then these bulls come out of nowhere and start fighting with these creatures. And he said, eventually they all kind of uh, got the better of one of the bulls and and kind of were, were, were killing it, you know. And he goes, and while they were doing that, he goes, something came over me and I got really, really sleepy. He goes, and then all of a sudden I felt like I just got like this burst of energy. And he said, I felt like the things were draining my energy too, like in close proximity which was weird, you know, and, but then he said that he felt like compelled, like to try to do something, you know? So he jumped down and he grabbed that spear and he goes, and I climbed back up the tree and he goes, and when they were focused on, on the one bull, the other bull had kind of started to trot off and then, then it would kind of come back and kind of try to help the other bull, but then it would kind of take off again. He's like, have you ever seen like National Geographic where these, you know, these bulls are, whatever, will defend the others, like these these big bulls from Africa. And I said, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Cape Buffalo. He goes, well, I don't know what they're called, but, you know, that that's what I'm talking about. They'll kind of come back and then put up a fight and then leave. But he said he took that spear. He goes, and I don't want to sound like the hero of this story or whatever. He goes, but this is the truth. He's like, I just said, God, let my aim be true. And I just threw it as hard as I could. And I nailed that big one right in the spine below its head. And it just kept flipping around, turning around. And then the other ones were distracted and were trying to pull the spear out of it. It goes, and one of those bulls just gored the hell out of one of them. And then when it, when it, when it started to do that, the other bull came back. And then all of them just started to kind of go in a retreat. And the big one was just pull, trying to pull that thing out of its back. So it fell down on all fours on its, on its uh, uh, paws or whatever. He kept calling them pads, but I don't know what, but anyway, he said it fell on the, on its paws and then those two bulls were just tossing it around and eventually it got up after all that damage it took and it jumped over the fence and he said that, dude, it was staggering and it went out into the highway. He goes, and just then a car is driving by and the thing just flopped down real quick and got straight flat down and, and it was on the other side of the fence and the bulls were just kind of sitting there looking at it. And one of them was all tore up. Its leg was useless and, they, and they, it was haggard and they both kind of just trotted off. He goes, you could tell they looked identical, like they were brothers or something. And he said that, uh, he goes, I was standing there or I was just sitting there stunned at what I had seen. And at that point I was down to my pocket knife, which is all I had. 
you know, and he goes, and there's not a whole lot I was going to do with that. But he goes, I figured that if I had to, you know, I'd use it. And he said, he said, I saw the others running across the pasture, across the highway. He said, as soon as that vehicle left, the thing got up and began to stagger across the road. And then he said, the weirdest part of the whole story, when it got across the road, he goes, I could see it. You know, it was a full moon. And he asked me if I thought that the full moon had something to do with it. I said, I have no idea. I mean, I've heard stories of people seeing them at the full moon, but that, that may be they can just see them because it's a full moon. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he asked me if I thought that they were werewolves. Well, the reason that he thinks that they're werewolves, like shapeshifters, is because this thing looked like it was shrinking and becoming like the size of a man. And he said, I was I was afraid that maybe I had stabbed a man with that spear and that he was going to lay there and die. And then there was going to have my fingerprints all over and think I killed a guy. And so I, t- and when he was done, he said it finally it got up and it jumped over the fence, like it fell over the fence and then staggered and kept running off into the, to the pasture, into the woods. And it never did pull the spear out of its back. And I said, I said, let me tell you something, Frank, you're going to, you're going to trip out when I tell you this. But one time I was driving down that road and I always just thought it was odd, but I saw a naked man run across that road, jump over that fence and then go. And I've told this on the show. I've told you, Anthony, Tony. And here it is years later after I saw that. I mean, freaking heck, if it was 2013, that was 10 years ago. And it was October. So this is coming up on October. So that's 10 years ago. And just now I get this story from a guy who was in that area. Maybe one of the exact same area, but it was on that that same road Mm -hmm. where he claims that there was this encounter. And he says, dude, it was so weird and, and unnatural. He goes, in all my years, he goes, I see some weird stuff. He goes, I've seen a full-bited apparition. Um, he said, I was with a group of, of other guys that were, we were homeless, and we were wandering around in Oklahoma. And he goes, and I saw uh, what looked like UFOs. And he also had a Bigfoot encounter. But he goes, dude, you know, and he said, I'm definitely an experiencer. But that was the first, other than the full-bited apparition he saw when he was, when he was young, a teenager. But he said, dude, I saw this in Canada. I said, this had to be, you know, divine intervention. He said, I was toast. I was going to be dead. I was next. He goes, because when they were done eating that cow, they just, it was easier just to come up to me, I guess, and mess with me than go and pick off another one. And he, and he said, now looking back on it, it's probably because there were bulls in that herd that were around. Mm-hmm. And he said that, you know, they, they were there protecting the herd or whatever it is, you know. Um, but I also explained to him that when bulls are typically that cantankerous, they're cordoned off from the other animals. So somehow those bulls were in that, you know, same pasture. And uh, so I asked him just just for, you know, just for my own FYI, I asked him, I said, what is the, what is the strangest thing you've ever seen or heard other than that? You know, and, and, and he said, well, I did have the UFO encounter, which was weird. There was like these blue lights in the sky and they were coming together and disappearing, you know. He said, and then I saw a ghost when I was uh, 14 years old in, in the house we lived in. Um, my, he was a dad was a military. He was a, an, an army brat. He traveled all over. He said he thinks that's where he got his, you know, rootless, you know, traveling all over the place, you know. Um, he's now been in Austin for the last, like, you know, so many years or whatever, he came back and decided to stay. But uh, he, he he told me, he said, dude, at one time I was camping uh, out in on the other side of Blanco. Now, if you guys know, Blanco also is an area full of dogman area. And he said that uh, he heard, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 
you know, like like Native Americans chanting. He goes, and it came out of nowhere, and it was loud, dude. And he goes, and I wandered around, and I went over this hill, and I looked, and I didn't see anything. He goes, but it was like it was just coming from nowhere, but from everywhere. He goes, and I just thought that that was really weird, you know. But then anyways, he goes, and then I just went back, and after about an hour of this chanting, I went to sleep. And um, But, he, you know, he goes, it was an area where a friend of his had camped in that area and told him that he had found Comanche arrowheads. And you know that area. That's the edge of the devil's backbone. So, I mean, who knows? Uh, but anyway, that, that that's that story. And he's, he's a really colorful guy, too. I talked to him at length about different stuff, you know. He's uh, he's kind of opinionated. Um, he's got his he's got his own kind of ideas about the world, you know. And but I guess when you've camped all over and then you've survived a night like that, you know, I mean, you can, I guess you can be opinionated. He said that um, he took a look at his backpack and it was shredded, like this thing had just. He felt it just grab it one time, but the backpack was completely gone. Like it was torn to pieces, and there was no use for it at all. It was gone. But, uh, I, I, you know, what do you think of that? I mean, is Franklin to be believed? I mean, you know, he seemed very believable. They seem like some really good stories of, like, people just fighting against dogmen, basically. And what I, what I liked about this one is that how, how coordinated they all kind of seemed, where it seemed like the big one went first, is like, I'll distract him, and the other two went around, and it was like, okay, we'll come from this side, and this mm-hmm. one was like, I'll come from this side, and I'll be down here in case he jumps or whatever. And it, and like, if it wasn't for those two bulls and everything, is like, there was honestly no way he could have gotten out of he that situation. He was one hundred percent. So it was like it, it really seemed so awesome to see that kind of divine intervention kind of thing happen. But what really terrified me was just how coordinated what it seemed that they had to be, and it wasn't like simply like oh. You know, like while we're hunting, you 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 do this and I'll do this. No, it seemed like very planned out, like tactically, like mm-hmm. what's the best situ- scenario for what's the best thing to do in this scenario. I think the fact that it was once again like prayer and, and the invoking of Jesus' name that that helped to rebuke or f- to save him from these things. That in and of itself should tell us that not only are these things not your friends, but they're also not just simple animals. No. Mr. Lonely over here is immediately discounting these guys as friends. Jeez, Anthony, you can make so many more friends if you just Well, maybe you and your friends try to eat each other. I don't know. We told you to give Bigfoot apples and give Dogman a steak. Don't you know? You don't want to do it. There's so many dogmen that are nice out there. And there's vampires that need your blood, and you're just being selfish. Mm -hmm. And there's ghosts that just need a friend, all right? (laughs) All right, well, I volunteer Tony to be their friend and and their their meal. There's zombies that want your brains, and you're over there like, these are my brains. Mm. Selfish. Yeah. You sound like Ken and Barton when they came back from the conference. I just need some time for myself to process and all this other ridiculous whiny crap. And I'm like, oh, yeah? What about well, I, me? What about me? You know, what about, what about the fan? Stop being know? selfish and think about me. <laughs> You're hoarding all your energy. So no, but seriously, what do you, you go ahead. You said you don't think they're your friends and, and. Yeah. I mean, these, these creatures are, are, I mean, these are evil beings that there's some kind, some kind of beings and maybe they're not just, there's not just one explanation for them. I, I, I think there's different types of, uh, beings sometimes are human sometimes they're malevolent spiritual beings but they 
for some reason or, or another take the same form that there's there's something to this form that that is just i don't know i, I mean i i don't know why they choose to take the form of like a a werewolf but regardless Terror, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it might not be a choice. It might just be that it's whatever works. You know, I mean, what if there's like a catalog and you just like you're like you go look through and like a like, Sears catalog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that! They got the new. Oh, I like this one. I liked a were bunny. Uh, not terrifying enough. Oh, the new werewolf. Have you seen out. the new 2018 Toyota I am gonna Tiger? Get, <laughs> I'm going to definitely be, uh, you know what? Not many people are using the Jaguar. Well, what I really like also uh, between these two stories, and, you know, I'm, I, I like it because it, it really shows how terrifying both encounters are, but just in different ways. In, in that the first one, you had a, a dog man that kind of just it kind of chose when to attack. It kind of took away his dog. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply took away like you know it kind of appeared once in a while but it, it really wanted to attack him when it was just him by himself in somewhere secluded where he could like you know pin uh he had him pin ambush yeah. him yeah you're talking about the, the first story the first story yeah. basically where, where it was but it was never like he was never super like when him and his brother were out there and like he ran it a, ran off like he was ran, shot at too well, yeah i mean also but it, like it was kind of like it wasn't prepared yet also like it, it wasn't until it was hiding in that corner waiting for him and he came in by himself that it was like okay now i can i'm gonna go for him 100 percent. i'm gonna try to you know kill him but then if you notice in the second story it was like okay take care of the cow first okay one of them sees him obviously like very early on and then was still like, okay, we're still going to eat this cow entirely. And then we'll go deal with that. And then they very methodically went after him and went after him in a way tactically so that they could try to kill him as well. And it was just, it was just kind of terrifying to see like the differences and how they interact when they're together and how they interact when they're by themselves. But it's very like planned, very, you know, uh, very intelligent to still still see like how their tactics will change based on how, how, who they're with. Mm -hmm. And this isn't, this isn't an isolated incident either. A lot of people think, Oh wow. An interaction with Dogman fighting with people. That's not, this isn't unheard of. And, yeah. and we've also heard of them fighting with bulls, fighting with hogs, fighting with coyotes, fighting with wolves, fighting with bears, fighting with other reptilians and Bigfoot and whatever. It is a creature that is probably pretty close to the top of the food chain on the land anyway, and they do what they do. But, you know, there is another story, and I'm going to tell that's not for tonight, but I'm going to tell it, and it, it's one on Lake Superior, where one of these things comes up out of the middle of the water. And so that is really weird, and it's, it was huge. I mean, it was bigger than any of these creatures. Everything's bigger than the water, you know, Wait, but so that's when did just this creepy. The second story, when did this take place? In the mid-90s. Yeah, I was going to say that that's especially eerie because anyone who's from this area in Texas will, will remember that Williamson County, 
especially back in the back in the what like 80s 90s had a reputation for being like a hub for like satanic activity mm-hmm. like like a cult black magic groups that they, they would do ceremonies for, yeah for some reason all throughout this or uh, williamson county and they were just everywhere yeah they even co-opted one of our uncle's barns at one point and did stuff in it oh um, wow yeah and so um, yeah and so that that happened it's you the know. cedar trees. It drives people crazy. Well, no, the, those cedar trees weren't over there where my uncle's barn was. Um, it was just down there in this this bottom land across the road, you know, on the county road from the Turner Farm. And uh, there was a barn over there that, that, that they had gone in and did all kinds of stuff. I just remember I was a kid, you know, young, whatever. Uh, I think that was back in like the 80s or something. But anyway, folks, that, that, that's all the time we have for tonight. You know, th- there is a lot of weird stuff that goes on in this world. Uh, whether Clyde or Franklin's stories are to be believed, that's up to you. I, I felt like they were pretty credible. You know, um, I have also, though, I do, I mean, I do try to get, you know, to the bottom of whatever I can. And uh, I do have some more stories that are similar, not not exactly the same, but in, in the similar vein that people have sent me and that other people have said, well, I'm not going to mess with that because that doesn't sound, because it doesn't fit the narrative that these things are just not going to hurt you. You know, there's there's people that are like, oh, if they wanted to hurt you, they will. Well, I hate how there's like a guideline like defending stories, though, where it's like you need to be just good enough, but not too good or, or you need yeah, to- right. <laughs> You know, then there's like seven types of dog, man. Get out of here, dude. You know, first of all, most of them don't look like dogs. Um, they're werewolf looking creatures, but whatever. Check out my books. I am I I am now an author. If you haven't, if you didn't know this, uh, the Bigfoot phenomena, which is uh, my my second book. My first book, of course, was Werewolves and the Dogman phenomena, and I am about to embark on a third book so thank you for listening you can get those books on amazon and thank you for tuning in we appreciate everything and be sure and check out the live streams which are youtube exclusives friday and sunday and good night don't let the werewolves bite